0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Neither rain nor sleet nor dark of night shall stay these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. Sound familiar? It's the famous Postal Service Oath, often referenced in regard to our own U.S. Postal System and also the system in the United Kingdom. And as I was reflecting on the scripture readings this week and Paul's letter to the Romans, I remembered this oath and I began to wonder if the writer was influenced by Paul. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, sometimes I think we act as if the early Christians were were all happy with one another, passing the holy kiss of peace and setting such an extraordinary example of loving everyone and their house churches when in fact we also know that there was plenty of infighting theological debates legalistic religious debates casting each other out in of the church for heresy thank you bishops debating jesus's humanity and divinity and debating the role of the holy spirit on and on and on paul's letter to the romans in all its complexity poetry and detail is attempting to address what is happening in the current day in Rome. And this passage that I just quoted is rich in theology and it's Paul sharing in what it would be modern in his time, a litany of the barriers that Christians put up with one another and that society was putting up between peoples. Christians versus Gentiles, Gentiles versus the Jewish people, Romans versus Christians and so on. Think, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Paul preaching to the Christian community in Rome is naming all of these arguments. And for us, we have taken this very familiar passage. I think it's one of the most popular of the New Testament and one of the most well-known. And we have used this scripture to as a way to address our own trials and tribulations our personal ones ones in our communities of barriers that we have encountered on our own journeys and paul's statement of the permanence and presence of god's love is one that we've often also claimed when we lose someone we love to death and we have shared the scripture at funerals for comfort and yet I do not believe that we need to wait until our funeral or the funeral of those that we love to turn to this scripture for hope and assurance. I think we can use this passage as our passport to discipleship. Paul's saying in Romans that there is this foundation of love. And he's saying, get out there. God will be there. So what are you waiting for? Paul again is naming that call to discipleship. And some of you know this is my own journey as well to examine because a few weeks ago I preached on Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Discipleship. And I quoted him as saying, stop discussing and start obeying. But then the question becomes, well, what happens when we do? Monhofer notes that for us to answer the call means that we are to be put in a situation in which we must call upon our faith in order to be transformed. And once we step into that place, there is no going back. And I began to wonder about those moments for the disciples when each of them suddenly knew that there was no going back. And then I began to think about times in my own life in which there was something that I said yes to when I encountered the moment in which I knew I was beyond the point of return the disciples when they initially said yes to Jesus there must have been so much excitement synergy hoopla bonding emotion all these things happening in their relationship building with one another and with Jesus as they traveled and spread the good word it must have been extraordinary that movement of the Holy Spirit and then at some point reality set in for them and I don't know when but I wonder how it felt when it did when they realized that they were beyond the point of turning around. And even though the going was not easy, there was no turning back. And I began to think about an experience in my own life in which I was beyond that point of return. And some of you have heard my story from last spring of May. When I think about discipleship and the point of no return, I think about my own experience repelling down Commerce 2 downtown, a 40-story building. And it all began last spring when you become the member of a board, you fundraise for the organization. And I knew when I joined the Philadelphia Outward Bound School Board that this was part of my job as a board member. And then people began to say that the best fundraiser they ever did was this one particular event and it happened on one day and it happened downtown in commerce too and then they explained that the event they were talking about raising money for was called over the edge in which board members and other community members would sign up to rappel off a 40-story building as a way to raise money now i've rappelled and i've rock climbed so i thought it was a pretty exciting opportunity though i have to say that the idea of it being a 40-story building was a little intimidating but because i have great confidence in gear and outdoor things i thought well i'll be fine and so i i jumped on the bandwagon with the other board members and we began to advertise this event and i crafted my emails and i talked about it at parties and coffee shops and tried to really gather support and spirit around this event. And I remember many people saying to me that they would be happy to donate, and oh, what an adventure, but no way would they want to do it themselves. People say that you know you're called to do something when you are excited about it, and nobody else wants to try it, which I think you can also look at with the view of discipleship. I can imagine the disciples getting excited and bonding with one another and other people looking at them and saying, no way do I want to be a part of that craziness. Well, it came to the day of the event. It was May 19th of last year called building adventure. And it was an adventure. All right. I can tell you that. I showed up downtown at commerce square. You may have been there yourself. It's a big Plaza with a fountain and they had this giant TV screen set up where they were, had close-ups of everyone who was beginning their rappel at at the rooftop. You could see the close-ups. So I go in and I check in, and then they hand you your gear, your helmet, your full-body harness, your gloves. And then they take you over, and they begin to talk you through a little practice. People are joking and high-fiving. There's all this bonding happening. And they clip me into a, a test gear set. It's like a little triangle with ropes hanging off it. And we're talking, I'm dangling maybe a couple feet off the ground, and they say, okay, here's your break hand, and here's how you use it. And so I begin to practice, and they're coaching me, and I'm hanging out. We're having a great time. You know, a couple feet off the ground really is not that that scary. However, after they unclip me, and they send me over to stand with the group while we wait, and we're standing there in the plaza in this little group, and you can hear the announcer announcing people beginning their descent off the roof over on our right and they look tiny up there and then on the left they've got the screen and people are doing cheers as people come down and so there's still a bunch of energy but I'm beginning to get this sense in in the pit of my stomach that makes me feel like Daniel going into the lion's den so then they call our number and off we go we march across the plaza and enter into the freight elevator and up we go to the 40th floor where we exit out down the hallway, and into an office where they've taken the window out. So we climb through the window onto the uh, rooftop area where it's all set up, and they've got three coaches on the three diamond points on the roof there, and each diamond has a person exiting out onto the side of the building. I'm still feeling pretty good. I'm a little nervous, but I've worked with a lot of equipment, so I, I think I've got a handle on it. And I also know that, that we're such a careful society that when they set this event up, there is no way I'm going to fall because they have so many backup systems in place. So I get over there, they clip me in. I'm in, sitting in the diamond and I'm talking to the coach and we're having a great chat here. And they coach me through everything again. We test the gear, we test the knots on the rope. The photographer does the final money shot, click. And then the moment comes when I have to put my feet flat and lean my body out over out of the diamond over air. And and I'm hanging there and the rope's really tight. I've got my feet and I think I'm doing all right. And my coach says, good job, good job. So I take a couple steps. You know, I'm moving my brake hand, it's feeling pretty good. The coach waves at me, there's one more photograph, and I am off. I'm feeling like I've got this and in a few minutes, I'm about a quarter way down the side of the building, and the coach is now a little distant, and I look down, and I think to myself, I have a long way to go. The rope feels heavy. I had my hand constantly on the brake to feed the rope through, and it is heavy because think about 35 stories of gravity on that rope. And my harness, which starts at my shoulders and goes down through my hips and all the way down to my legs, feels tight. I can feel it crushing my rib cage. And my, my feet are dangling like this because the building is so far away, I can't reach out and rest my feet on the building. And I can feel the harness digging into my legs as my, as my legs dangle. And I have a moment of feeling that I've entered into an ordeal that I had no idea would be this hard. Through all the excitement and the energy, I'm now in this place. And yet I also know in that moment, there's absolutely no turning back. That the only way now is to continue on the journey despite my personal discomfort, despite the fact that now there is no one close to me to cheer me on. But knowing that I have the safety of the harness and that I will get down safely if I choose to persevere. And I think this has many parallels to, to discipleship. There's excitement in the yes, in the preparation, in, in studying scripture and praying and in, in bonding with fellow Christians of our call, the time that we spend together in worship, the embracing of, of the power of Jesus's teachings. But then the time comes when we say yes, that we go out into the world, whether we're alone or, or in twos or in groups where we're, we have all the gear, we're harnessed up, we've got the help helmet on we got the brake hand ready we've got plenty of a journey ahead of us on that rope and there's assurance of safety along the way and the beginning isn't hard but then it becomes hard that moment of realization of the long journey and then that moment that's when we can take out of our pockets or recite from our heart the scripture that Paul gave us today, this assurance that Jesus will always be with us. When we stop discussing and start obeying, when we say that yes, the next part is to carry the knowledge of that depth of the love of God and how it will fully equip us for our journey. We will be loved along and through the journey and affirmed as a beloved creation of God before we start drawing it and after we finish. And this is the assurance which gives us the strength after the yes along the way. And so in those moments in which you have said yes to the call and you encounter the realization that the journey is longer or harder or more complex than you anticipated, may you say